going to get into the Word of God tonight, going to do something that I haven't done um, in this level or this aspect before, but um, just when Brother Jacob called this week or text and, and was asking me about this Sunday, um, you know, seek, seeking God for a word, what he'd have me to say, this had, had been on my heart ever since uh, for tonight. And uh, just as the week progressed and even today, things I just believe in my spirit the Lord has confirmed, even confirmed through somebody after church this morning, something that was said just really spoke to my heart, my spirit, that this is what I'm to do. Uh, But I'm going to share tonight a lesson out of the school of Christ. And uh, in doing this, I I know that I've not arrived. I'm not Brother Clendenin. I'm not trying to be, I'm trying to be the Jesus, be like the Jesus that was in him, amen? That's all I could do. But I believe that there's such a truth in this lesson tonight. I was stirred by this lesson several weeks ago. I shared it with the youth, and uh, I really believe tonight that there is some, there is some meat, there is some depth in this lesson tonight that we can grab a hold of. If you've been in the church for 60 years and this is nothing new to you, then just pray for us tonight as we glean on what the Word of God says because I believe it could help all of us tonight. We have, we have those that, you know, they've, they've been living for God for some time now, but it's still relatively babes in Christ. You know, we're going on a year, year and a half, some few years but I believe tonight that if we'll open our hearts and hear, I believe God can talk to us through this lesson tonight. Just full disclosure, full transparency, this is not my message, and I don't know if it's going to come out more of as a preaching or a teaching, but I believe that if you'll give an ear to the Holy Ghost tonight, I believe he's going to help us to hear what God's saying to his church. If you would stand with me, we're going to take our text tonight out of the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. When you're there, say amen. Ephesians 3, verses 10 and 11, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he had purposed in Christ our Lord. For a few moments tonight, this lesson deals with God's eternal purpose in Jesus. God's eternal purpose in Christ Jesus. Father, I ask you to help us tonight. Lord, anoint your word. Anoint me to speak what, what only you would have me to say. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd open our ears and eyes of understanding, that we'd hear what you're saying to us tonight. God, help us to glean from your word. God, from your teachings, from what you have to say to us tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'd change us in these altars in this time that we're here together. I pray that you'd have your way. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And you know, this is the kind of a strange text to open a message with, but I believe as we get into this tonight, it'll help us to understand. But the mystery of godliness was conceived in the mind of God for ages to come. It's a mystery tonight, you know, of, of all the things that we could think about, why God orchestrated things this way or that way. But Ephesians 10 and 11 declares that the reason for this hidden mystery is that it might become the property of the church. And who is the church? The church is you and I tonight. Who would manifest it to principalities and powers of the world. That means that we would spread it throughout this world. That is why we're here. 
That's why we're in existence tonight. There's no other reason. There's no other purpose for our being on this earth. Romans 8 says that the whole creation is groaning to be delivered. There's a world out there that's groaning to be delivered. It says the whole creation. That means that there's a common calamity. It's common amongst the people. There's a world out there that wants to be delivered. Satan is the prince and power of the air. As such as he has dominion and authority of, of, over all things, including every member of the fallen race. And that's kind of a hard pill to swallow tonight. But Satan, the Bible says that he's the prince in power over all the earth. That he, he rules this earth tonight. He's the, he's the evil one. He, he come into this world through the Garden of Eden, through the fall of man. And he, the Bible says that he's, he, he rules the, the earth tonight as the prince in power of the but he rules every fallen member of the human race tonight. Every person of that human race that's not born again, he has authority over. He gained this position in the fall of man. God created man to be a spirit being. I want you to get a hold of this tonight. He lived in the spirit realm and he was in constant fellowship with God. He was a spirit. Uh, he, he was in constant fellowship with God. The Spirit of God. God came and walked with Adam in the cool of the day. We know that in Genesis 3 and 8. It said that, that God come down in the cool of the day to talk to Adam. That wasn't the first time that he come down and talked with him. But God communed with Adam in that garden. He talked with him. He dealt with Adam. He walked with him. You know, everything in that garden was perfect. The weather was perfect. They didn't have sports. They didn't have, you know, it didn't, the, the, the weather was nice. They didn't have all these things to... When God come down, what did they talk about? They just communed together. God just dwelt with his creation. God dwelt with him because Adam was a spirit man. God had given this man who ruled with his spirit and not his senses power, dominion, and authority over this entire universe. His flesh, which housed the spirit, was clothed with the glory of God. His five senses were in complete subjection to the inner man and played a very little part in his existence. Today, our senses rule everything and how we move and be about in this world today. We see how we touch, how we feel, how we, you know, the smell, everything. We're ruled by our senses. But man was a creature of love, faith, and eternal life. Adam lived and ruled with his spirit. He was in the same class with God, but he was not God. But he was in the same class with God. That's hard for us to comprehend tonight, but I believe with a little more deeper, we're going to get some help with that. God's purpose for that man was that he should grow in his knowledge and apprehension of God. He was conformed always to the nature that he was created in until he would eventually fill the earth with the knowledge of God. That was what God intended for Adam here. As, as he created Adam and Eve in the beginning of this world. If Adam had stayed true to God, this earth would be full of the knowledge of God. But Adam chose Satan. Therefore, through him, Satan has filled the earth with the knowledge of himself. No matter where you go in this earth tonight, no matter where you go, you'll never go to a place where Satan is not known. You'll never go to a place on this earth where Satan has, there's not evidence that Satan exists. That Satan is the prince and power of the air. You'll never go to a place. But tonight, the only place that, that Jesus is known is where his new creatures abide there. Amen. 
The only place that you'll find evidence of Christ is where there's a new creation dwelling there. When Adam surrendered to the devil, he became a partaker of Eve's and, and became a partaker of Eve's transgression. The state of creation changed. He had become an altogether different creature. I want you to get this change here. He was no longer what God intended for him to be. Satan breathed eternal death into everything, and he was the master. Where faith and love were manifested, now there's hatred and fear. We have Cain killing his brother Abel right at the beginning of the Bible. The nature of the animals changed. They became vicious and wild. Man ceased to live by the power and the wisdom of his spirit. His spirit died and he received the fallen nature of the enemy himself. In the fall, his spirit was so violated that it sank down in subjection to his soul. He became a soulless creature instead of a spirit man. Thus he became governed in that realm by Satan himself. That fallen nature at that point became the body of Satan. His spirit his man's spirit became the captive of his soul and lost contact with God. His body became mortal and subject to death. I want you to understand tonight, Adam was not created to die. You and I were not created to die. God created an eternal being. It wasn't until sin came into man that he became a mortal being. It wasn't until the fall of man that he became subject to death, that women became subject to the pain of child labor and all those things. It's hard for us to comprehend, but if we could get a hold of it tonight and know that the 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 the, the the, the, the spirit of man, the creation, had become an altogether different creature than what God intended for it to be. And it's important that we know that because there's something coming. His once powerful spirit, the inner man, became a hidden man of the heart. The ruler had become an eternal criminal with no legal approach to God. This was the condition of the human race when Jesus came. He was totally deranged and totally depraved. The nature of Adam has passed upon all, and all men are born a child of Satan. I know much of religion wants to refute this, but it does not matter. By one man's sin, we all became sinners. Romans 5 and 19. Sin isn't just something that you do. Sin is a state of being. God's eternal purpose in Christ Jesus is to, to bring about a new creation over which Satan has no dominion or authority. Hallelujah. I, I say again, God's eternal purpose in Christ is to bring about a new creation, a new creature that, that, which that Satan has no power over. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new, creature, cre he is a new creature. Creation and creatures always trip me up, you know, trying to go back and forth from the two. They're spelled the same, but we're going to get there tonight. But therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. God said in John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life. Again, it is written that all things become new. Right here we find out that Adam becomes something altogether different than what intended so that means that when we're born again we got to come something altogether different than what we are amen in second corinthians 5 and 21 paul explains the plan of redemption and we come to know something of what is going on it says for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made righteousness 
made the righteousness of God in him. Christ became our sin so that we might become righteous in him. He knew no sin. Christ died the spotless lamb of God. He he took the penalty for my sin, for your sin tonight. He never burned in hell, but he bore our sin. He took upon the sin of the world. In the fall, man became a sinner with no legal approach to God. We had no legal. There was no way that we could get to God in our fallen nature. None whatsoever. We couldn't come to God. Why? Because we're, 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 we've a fallen nature. We're of sin. God's holy. We couldn't come unto God. So forgiveness is not enough. Israel's relationship proved this. Through sacrifices of blood and go- bulls and goats, it could not change their nature. This, the, the demands of justice must be met by someone over whom Satan has had no authority. That person was Jesus Christ. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He had to live out that in this parenthetical thing called time. He had to be tempted as the first Adam was tempted. He had to overcome that temptation. The temptations were real. He faced them. Jesus in the wilderness temptation shows us the way to victory. The temptation had one purpose, to get him to get him as a man. I want you to get this tonight. This is something that spoke to me. It's just something that I really just tried to impress upon the hearts of our young people. The temptation had one purpose, one purpose, and that is to get him as a man to act independently of the Father. There's a hell out there tonight trying to tempt you with the world, trying to tempt you with the things that are ungodly, all to get you to act independently of God. We're here tonight. If we're again, we're supposed to act in conjunction with the Father. We're supposed to act in, in, in with Him, and we're supposed to seek Him for guidance. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit and not after the things of the flesh. Temptation has come tonight to get us to act independently of who God wants us to be. If, 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 if Satan could get Christ to act independently of the Father, just as the first Adam did, everything would have been lost a second time. This is always the nature of temptation. Jesus refused to act independently of the Father. All temptation tonight is essentially an attempt to get us to act independently of God. Each time that we fall into temptation, we're acting on our own power and contrary to the Word of God. I'm in essence saying for a moment in time when I fall into temptation that I'm acting in my own will, that I don't need help, that I don't need guidance, that I could do this on my own because I choose to go down this path. And I'm not saying any, I'm not saying any minute here that there's not grace, there's not forgiveness. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is for that moment in time when we fail and we fall into temptation, we're acting independently of God. There's grace, there's forgiveness. I'm not preaching that there's not tonight. I want you to know that there is. But there for a moment we act independently of the Father. He, knew, he who knew no sin had to face sin and overcome sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's our pattern tonight in whom we're to follow. He had to present himself as one who had overcome. He was born of a virgin, but he was born a human being. He faced everything that we faced. He was tempted in all points yet without sin. Hallelujah to God. It's possible tonight. 
He was very man and very God. And in his temptation, it was as a man. He faced that temptation in the wilderness as the man, Christ Jesus. The slaves of the flesh must be delivered. The hidden man of the heart must be given a new birth in the nature of God and filled with the Spirit of God. That new creation must be the master and the ruler of our senses. This is the progressive work of sanctification. I want to stop here for just a moment and, 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 and talk about this. What do we mean? What does this mean that we're a new, cre- we're a new creation? We're a new creature. What does this mean? When I was born again, I had an experience with God a few couple of years before I was born again. And I'd gone into church with some friends of different denomination. And this man come and talked with me and wanted me to repeat this prayer. And you know, essentially, they just want to clean you up. Clean you up on the outside. But see, that didn't do nothing for me. I knew that that wasn't right. I knew that, that I repeated this little prayer, but I knew it didn't mean anything because it didn't mean anything in my heart. There was no change there. I just added God to what I already did. I just added God to my routine. I just added church to my, to, to, to my agenda every week. But when I got born again and I got up from that altar, there was a new Corey. There was somebody new. There was somebody new. I didn't have to clean up the old quarry. I had to come down there and God gave me a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit. Anna, you don't have to clean the old Anna up. Eddie, Gloria, Michael, Haley, Brother Steve, all of us. We don't have to clean up the old nature. We don't have to clean up the old man. We got to walk in the new creation. We got to walk in the new creature. We got to walk. You can put makeup on a pig all day long. You can give him a bath. You can you can just doll him up and you give him 20 feet from a mud hole and he's going to be dirty in two seconds. Amen. It don't matter how we clean this flesh up. If we haven't put it in the altar and sacrificed it to, and gave it to God and walk, get up and walk in this new creature, then we're just all we're doing is just adding God to what we are. But there's got to be a change in our heart. There was never a change in the heart of the children of Israel. God, God forgave their sins based on the sacrifices of the high priest. But in this new covenant, God says, I can be a new creation. I don't have to be a, I don't have to be after the flesh. I don't have to be after sin. I can walk in the spirit. I can walk in life. The Bible says in Romans 8 that the flesh is death, that the spirit is life. And if I walk after the, if I walk after the spirit, I can walk in the light of God. But in the same token, if I walk after the flesh, I'm walking after death. The man must be renewed day by day, and the outward man must be brought under, sub, under subjection. This is what being conformed to the image of Christ means. It is one life, the life of Jesus, the life and nature of God, replacing the old Adamic nature as we progressively move towards the image of Christ. The greatest revelation that can come to a human this is the greatest revelation that can come to a human, is that we're replacing that old Adamic, Adamic nature. Our father, our, you know, we're all lineage of Adam. We're replacing that Adamic nature with the nature of Christ. If we realize that as we're growing, as we're walking in this spirit, that we're taking upon the image of Christ in ourselves, that's the greatest revelation we can ever come to. Your spirit can become a new creation in Christ over which Satan has no power or authority. 
Hallelujah. That's why God says you must be born again. That's why God says that all things are made new. Why? Because that new man, though that flesh may rise up you, that new man puts him under subjection. You know, Paul talks about the, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. What is he saying? That I've got to rise up, I've got to raise up that spirit, man, and put that flesh to death. I've got to walk in the newness of life. And, and the reason for that is because Satan has no power over that new man. Satan has no authority over that new man. Satan has no, Satan can't, he can't trample upon that new man. Why? Because that new man is not of this earth. It's a spirit, man. What a hope, what a message that we have. But it has to happen to us first. We must believe this. We must teach this, preach this. This truth, we give every man a hope. It gives us hope tonight. We don't have to clean up what we are. We become what Christ wants us to be. We become a new creation. No matter what the problem is, no matter what we face, the answer is here. You're not only must be, but you can be born again. You actually, in that new birth, become the righteousness of God and can stand in His presence without fear and without sin. There is nothing more wonderful. Nothing gives such hope. The leopard can't change his spots just as a man cannot add one cubic to his stature. But man under God can be born again. He can be born again. We know this in John 3 and 3 through 6 when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, how can I enter into my mother's womb and be reborn? He said, no, unless you're born of the water of water and the Spirit. We're born of the Spirit tonight. If you're a born-again believer, you're born of the Spirit. You have this new creation inside of you. And it's only as you feed it, it's only as you nurture it, it's only as it begins to grow that it can overcome the flesh tonight. Amen? It's something that it's a progressive work. Man can be righteous. We can be righteous. Man, no matter who he is or what he has done, can be fully delivered. When Paul listed the categories of sin, he spoke of homosexuals. He spoke of the degrading sins of the flesh. But he, then he said to the Corinthian church, such were some of you. But now it is different. Now you've been birthed of God. Now I'm the righteousness of God. It is if I've never sinned. That's how tonight we can come boldly before the throne of grace. That's how we can come. Because it's not us. I don't have to clean myself up to come to this altar. I come to this altar and say, God, I've made a mess of things. Give me a new heart, a new mind. Renew my spirit day by day. Put the, let this mind that be in me that was in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said. It's something that we do day by day. It's something that we have to do. We're putting off the old nature. We're putting on the new. It doesn't matter how much I clean that up. It doesn't matter. If I'm not walking in the newness of life, I'm just walking in the old nature. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be a man in the flesh with good morals. But the Bible says there's none good but God. So unless I'm walking in the newness of life, there's there's nothing good in Corey. There's nothing good in this flesh. There's nothing good in what we can do. That's why I believe the church today in America, you have many, we have hundreds of thousands of churches out there who can fill the building up, but there's nobody in there that I'd say is converted. 
People go for a program. People go for a feel-good. People go for a, for a fellowship. People go for the, the things, the kids' church or whatever it is. But the reason why people, why teenagers fall out today is because they never had an experience with God. Nobody ever told them that you got to be born again. It's not just that you don't do these things and you're good. No, you've got to have your, your flesh. You've got to die to what you are and walk in this newness of life. It's hard to understand, hard to put in words. But I'm telling you, if that change would have never taken in place in me at 16 years old, I wouldn't be here today. If I didn't get under some good Holy Ghost-filled Pentecostal preaching in a small church in the town of Wetumpka, Alabama, if I never would have heard the gospel the way that I heard it, I wouldn't be here today. Why? Because like I talked about this morning, the hurt, the drama, the pain, it ain't worth it. If all I'm doing is cleaning up this flesh, but if I'm walking in the newness of life, it's worth it tonight. It's worth everything. It's worth the journey. It's worth every mile. Why? Because I have a hope in Jesus tonight. I have a hope in him. It's not in myself, but in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. It is if I've never sinned. We need to become more conscious of our sonship in Christ and what we are and can be in Christ rather than our defeatedness, rather than our failures, rather than all the things that we do wrong. We need to realize what we are in Christ Jesus tonight. And what we can be in Him. When we realize that, when we think about that, that's what produces faith. In Christ, there's no failure. There's no defeat. The Holy Spirit in the new birth put me in Christ by miracle. He then commands me to abide there. As I abide in a place that God put me in the new birth, God sees the experience of Christ as my own. He sees that, that it's already done. Though he's still working on it, God never begins until he's finished. If you abide there, you will awake in his likeness. What does that mean there? You keep on keeping on. You keep on day by day. You put off the flesh. You put on the new man. You keep on abiding in Christ. One day you're going to wake up and you're going to be more like Jesus. I pray today that I'm more like Jesus than I was yesterday. I know that I'm more like him today than the day that I was born again. Why? Because you have to abide there. As I abide there, I become more in the image of God. Faith takes a hold of that promise. This glorious redemption takes place when a member of the old creation repents of what he is, accepts the Lord Jesus as his substitute and his Savior and Lord, and identifies himself with this dead, buried, and resurrected Jesus. The redeemed one that begins to work on this order. If he took my place, bore my grief, carried my sorrows, was wounded for my transgressions, took my stripes that I might be healed. All of this he did for me and not for himself. He did all that for you tonight, church, for each and every one of you. Then it is as if I did it myself, which means that in God's sight, I have already overcome. Hallelujah to God. If I'm walking in that new creature tonight, God sees as if I've already overcome. Then I can say upon with great authority of faith, 
Faith based upon the sure word of God that I am more than a conqueror in Christ. See, Paul realized all these things. That's how Paul made these bold statements. As it, you know, I'm a, more than a conqueror in Christ. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I, I put off the old man, put on the new. Why? Because he learned the secret. He said, let this mind be in me that was also in Christ Jesus. He learned to walk after the new man. I'm not defeated. I'm not helpless. I'm not useless. The devil would have me to believe that I am. But I can tell you tonight that I'm not. But I'm a member of this holy body, this church, and, and Christ is my head. Surely the devil has no power over the body of Christ. It is though the body is recreated spirits, it is through this body of recreated spirits that God is casting out devils, healing the sick, bringing eternal life to dead souls. In the new birth, I not only become the purpose of God, but I have now become the means through which this purpose is fulfilled. This is the Great Commission, folks. This is what we're here for. I have now become the purpose through which God can fulfill. I have become the vehicle which God can fulfill, fulfill His purpose through this earth. I am the vehicle that God reveals Himself through to a world. Can you accept the fact that the devil has no power except that which we as the children of God give him? Matthew 28 and 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. If Jesus has all power, then the devil has none, except what we give him. This is true. We must believe it. After Christ accomplished Satan's defeat, he ascended back into heaven, leaving us the power of attorney to use his name. He said, In my name you can cast out devils. Christ took my place on the throne of God. And my legal petition that I desire of God, he will present it for me there. Christ is my representation in heaven tonight. The other side of that truth is I've taken his place on earth. I've been filled with his spirit. I'm walking in his stead. I'm walking in the power of his name. Because as he is, so are we in this world. 1 John 4 and 17. He represents me there in heaven where he is accepted. I represent him here on earth where he was rejected. I must be true to that call tonight. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done. You can personalize that. He is the vine and I am the branch. If I abide in him, he abides in me. I can ask what I will. Can we accept this tonight? I want us to understand that Christ is the vine. We're the branch. Christ, we, whatever's in the vine can be in the branch. You know, that, that vine begins to grow and take water and nutrients up from that soil. It sends it out to those branches. If I'm the, vine, if I'm the branch tonight, Christ is the vine, whatever he has can flow out through me. It's as we abide. That's the secret tonight. Musicians, if you'd come as begin to close. It is this truth in John 15 that totally changed the life of one of the greatest missionaries of all time, Hudson Taylor. He saw 
that as he abode in Christ, his relationship with Christ was the same as the relationship of the vine and the branch. Mr. Taylor saw that whatever was in the vine is in the branch. Consequently, whatever is in Christ is in the believer. In that moment, he realized that he could do all things through Christ. We need to think of ourselves as God thinks of us. Surely God is not thinking of his children as defeated, helpless, useless church, struggling to have faith, struggling to be healed, or struggling to make it through. No, God sees us in Christ, having overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. He has no time for self-pity, no time for our disappointments, and he has no time for bitterness. He looks at us as what we are, more than conquerors. He says to us, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But for that to be true, I must abide in the place in which the Holy Ghost puts me when I was born again. I pray tonight that the Holy Ghost makes this real in our heart. That he makes this real, that he, he opens up our minds to what, the, what, what God's saying here. Remember that when we speak of him as a person, we speak of him as a man, a new creature, born of a woman, which you and I have become by the new birth. I was reading Romans 8 before church and just really just trying to take a hold of this word and what it says. I encourage you to go home the whole chapter but if I could just read a few things tonight, verse, starting verse 6, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it indeed be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That tells me right there that something's got to become new. That in my flesh I can't please God. No matter how good, no matter the morals that I keep, no matter the things that I do, if I'm in the flesh I can't please God. But verse 9 it says, But you are not in the flesh, but you in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. We talked about this morning. The Spirit of God dwells in us. Romans 8, Paul says, If the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 10, And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The last verse, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Child of God, tonight you don't have to be defeated. You don't have to succumb to temptation. You don't have to walk around with your head down low, defeated. You don't have to walk around hopeless, helpless. You don't have to walk around saying, I messed up again. If I could just get it right, if I could just do this right, if I could just clean myself up, if I could just learn this secret, if I could just do this, I'm telling you the secret tonight is in this altar. You put off the old man, you put on the new. It's as we walk in Christ. Where it, when that old man rises up, we're going to fall. We're going to fail. I'm not making an excuse for sin tonight, but it, you know, there's things, you know, we talk about this morning, we said, 
of those things that come in, our tempers, our, the things that we do, how we treat or how we come across, or the little things that try to sneak in. It's as we become more like Christ, those things begin to dwindle. Those things begin to dwindle down. Why? Because if we walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh, the Spirit man grows. You know, they sing in Sunday school. They sing in children's church. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow, grow, grow. Forget your Bible, forget to pray, shrink, shrink, shrink. Why do we teach our kids that? Because of this new creature. Because of this born-again experience. If I walk after the Spirit, the Spirit man grows. If I walk after the flesh, the flesh grows. That's why Paul says we war not against powers and principalities, but we war against or we flesh and blood, but we war against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. It's the old man and the new. It's hell and it's Christ. Just like that war in Israel tonight. And all of that is is the devil out to prove God's word a lie. And he wants to come tonight and tell you God's word's a lie. He wants to get you to believe that it's a lie. He wants to get you to believe that he can't keep you. He can't see you through to the end. He wants to tell you you messed up again. You can't get it right. You might as well quit yesterday. While you're ahead, you might as well not try to do this anymore. But I'm here to tell you tonight, it's not in ourselves. It's in Jesus. And if I'll learn this secret and I'll learn to pray, I'll learn to walk after this newness of life, then the spirit man can begin to grow. It's only as I begin to allow this spirit to grow that I can become more like Christ. That's where Adam missed the mark. That's where Adam missed the mark tonight. Is he become a fallen man. He, he, he succumbed to sin. He took of the fruit. He failed. And he, be, he, he, he failed to become like God. God created him so that he could become like God. And, 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 and the knowledge and peace and love of God could fill the earth. But Adam failed in that, so tonight it's on the responsibility of his church, on the responsibility of you and I tonight. It's only as we become like Jesus that we can be a light to the rulers in this world, that we can be a light in this darkness. We have to let this light shine. I believe that we have to let it. The Bible says, let this light shine. I believe that if it means that, that we can hide it, that we can, we can, we can put it away. We don't have to show it. I believe if, if we didn't have no help but to let it shine, then it wouldn't say let. But there's a command there that says let. That means that we could put it away. But tonight, we need to let our light shine. How do we let the light shine? As Christ dwells in us, we could be Christ to a lost and dying world. I want to open up these altars tonight. If this word is spoken to you. You want God to make it alive and real in your heart tonight. I want to let you find a place to pray. Let us seek God tonight. Make this a reality on our heart. If we could truly grasp what we are in Christ and what he's done in us, the, the sacrifice that he's made, the newness of life that he's given, if we could truly grasp that there's nothing that, he, that he'll hold back from his church tonight. Amen.